0: Out of balance, noticing our neighbor, and the first move. It's no secret that balance is important. You can walk up to somebody who's pretty, has, is in a good balanced stance, and you can put open open hand upon their chest and apply some pretty good pressure. And if they're in that balanced spot, they're not falling over. You can walk up to the same person and they're, off balance in their stance and you can just put a finger on their chest and just put a little bit of pressure and they tip. Too much sugar in a, in a diet for an extended period of time, the pancreas isn't too happy and you have on your hands an out of balance diet and the body is out of balance, the body suffers, performance suffers but not just the body. Balance isn't important just for the body, but also just for the human person, the person to flourish and to thrive. You have tagline in corporate America the last number of years or decade now of, you know, somebody graduating from college and looking for for work and seeing what's the work-life balance. To see, right, if if that, that balance is off, things suffer, relationships suffer, with my spouse, with others. And we know that because we are not just body, but also body and soul, we have a telos. That means we are ordered towards an end. We're ordered towards God. So, of course, balance and our soul and attention towards our soul is important. And if any of balance is out of any of these things, hopefully we notice it and give it attention so as to get back in balance. We live in a culture that gets us, promotes us, encourages us to be out of balance. And we're going to look the next couple weeks at a couple different things, two things that our culture promotes quite intensely that is making us more and more out of balance. And because of that, we're suffering. We're suffering not not only as individuals, but we're, we're suffering as in relationships as a community in our, in our country, we're sick. We're sick because our culture are, are promoting this these two things that make us out of balance. The first here this week is self-absorption. Our culture promotes us, promotes, encourages us, lends us to become self-absorbed. Or as the saints talked about, they described it as self-love. So it's always been the case, but now it's just kind of encouraged more and more. And when the saints talked about self-love, they don't meet it in the sense of the appropriate amount of love that we're to have for ourselves, but rather the self-love or the self-absorption that actually keeps us inward, that keeps us from living as we are made to of living outward towards the other. Sociologists for, for some time now have been you know, looking at and how the American culture is uh, promoting us of being more and more self-absorbed. The American, the American person is more and more self-absorbed. There's two sociologists from Florida State University that are citing all these statistics with the increased usage of the internet over the last decade and social, social media usage that the number of people in the U.S. who are self-promoting, they say, and self-absorbed is increasing to the what they say is a narcissistic epidemic we have. And I think we all we all know this. We intuit it. Like we can feel it. We can see that that's the the direction in which we're kind of going. And I can point to a lot of number n- number of things. I just will highlight a New York Times article not too long ago that came out that explained that there are more couples that rather than after getting married going on honeymoons, they're they're traveling separately. Right. So you have. To, to the point where it's become such a trend or that at least they've, they've come up with nicknames for it. They're calling them unimoons or solo moons instead of honeymoons where one spouse, after getting married, goes this place and the other one goes to that one. The article pointed out that you know, one of the examples was he went to Ireland to watch the Premier League Soccer Championship and she went to Canada to visit friends, right? Because, of course, they're going to spend their whole life together. You might as well go to the place that they individually want to go. Self-absorption. You know, you might look at that and say, well, that's a crazy example, and indeed it is. How common that is, not very. But it's an indication, I think, of what just, just kind of what we have on our hands. And so it may be worth an exercise for us this week, even to, in, in, in prayer, and to ask ourselves, in, in silence, spend even 15 minutes with it, how might, I, might, how might I be more self-absorbed than I would like to think? Or how might I be more self-absorbed than I would first notice? Even two weeks ago when we talked about Elsa and Frozen singing, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. To whatever extent we, we think that, that we determine what's right or what's wrong. To whatever extent we are in, live, live in that spot, we're self-absorbed, we're self-centered. We think that the world, the fabric of reality, revolves around what I think. The moral code, God, of what's right and wrong, of what's sin and not a sin, doesn't care what I think. But when we, when we do live in that spot of this self-deserved, this inward-focused world revolves around, around me, de facto, we're out of balance. And we're not only out of balance with ourselves, we're also out of balance with, with, with those that we're in relationship with. We're out of balance with, with those, we're out of balance with society. We're out of balance, e, e, essentially, we're out of balance with, with the fabric of reality itself. Because we're 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 wired to we're wired to give of ourselves and turn outward. As we said many times, we're wired for love. And so, how can we become less self-absorbed on our own individual interests? How do we kind of fix that imbalance? The answer, one answer, an antidote, as we see in our gospel today, is our neighbor. Our neighbor. Our neighbor before us calls us out of ourselves to turn outward. That's what our neighbor does. And maybe example par excellence of this is, is marriage. Of committing and giving my life to someone. the quote of the Catechism 1609 says, after the fall, meaning because of the fall, we all have a tendency to be self-absorbed and to be self-centered. Marriage and the sacrament of marriage and the other Helps us to bust out of that. After the fall, marriage helps us to overcome self absorption, egoism, pursuit of one's own pleasure, and to open oneself to the other to mutual aid and self giving. Marriage, example par excellence, but any relationship, the neighbor before us, calls us to demands of us to go from with turning inward. Too outward which in our gospel what's the young man say who's my neighbor in response to Jesus's the two greatest commandments to love of the lord your god with all your heart with all your mind soul and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself to the to the point where he says well then who's my neighbor implying that they're implying that he thinks that there are some people who are not his neighbor to which Jesus then gives the parable of the Good Samaritan to say there is not a single person who's not your neighbor who you're demanded to love as yourself. The problem is, with the culture in which we live, more and more so, we are becoming numb to the numb and not noticing the humanity that's right in front of us. And not only, it's even worse than that of not noticing the humanity in front of us. We're kind of like, just got this like, not caring of those priests, the priest and the Levite, who sees the man at the side of the road, lying there, beaten, left half dead, and they just walk on the other side. And some of you know I wasn't here last week because I was on silent retreat in, um, up in Wisconsin, and there, it was, so it was 70 nuns and me. Okay, on, on silent re- on the retreat, and retreats are these, the silent retreats are just um, they're 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 profound, and I know some, some parents, as my brother, as I was telling, he's like, well, I like with small kids, I, I'd love to go do that silent retreat. sounds sounds awfully nice to go out to go out a silent retreat, but so many the things you notice and the way you can hear God's voice in an extended period of six seven days of silence and. I just share one grace as it pertains to this, is one day I was after, it was like all morning long, I hadn't seen anybody, right, it's, I got to the point on silent retreat where I'm just naming the deer, right, there's nobody around, I was like, there's Augustine, right, there's Cecilia, from about 150 to 200 yards away though, I see another person, it was one, of the, one of the religious sisters. And upon seeing her, I just had this, I'm walking in this grassy area 200 yards away, and, I, and, and she catches my eye from a distance, and I just, just had this overwhelming sense that I was connected to her. It, 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 the, 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 love of, the love of God and the, the intense feeling that I was connected to, to her hit me so hard, I literally, I, I, like I it buckled my knees, and I'm there on the, on the grass just crying the sense of being connected to this person that I see 150, 200 yards away. I shared that with Josh, who's living at the Rectory, the seminary, and he reminded me that it sounded a lot like um, Thomas Merton's experience in his um, autobiography, The Seven Story Mountain. Thomas Merton's a Trappist monk, and he was traveling to Louisville, Kentucky on a business trip, and he's there standing in the downtown Louisville, the business district on 4th and Walnut, and as he's there and everyone's moving around, he he recounts this. I was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all these people, that we could not be alien to one another another, even though we were total strangers. It was like waking from a dream of separateness, of counterfeit self-isolation in a special world. This sense of liberation from an illusory difference was such a relief and such a joy to me that I almost laughed out loud there. I have the immense joy of being man, a member of a race in which God himself became incarnate. As if the sorrows and stupidities of the human condition could overwhelm me now, now that I realize what we all are. And if only everybody could realize this, but it cannot be explained. There is no way of telling people that they are all walking around shining like the sun. This is Thomas Burton, the middle on 4th and Walnut, downtown Louisville of just this profound realization of his connectedness to everyone walking around and their groundedness to God. Shining like the sun and you go, to down, you go on 4th and Walnut, there's a monument Depicted, this, this mystic Trappist monk having this experience is, is, has, is this monument of that written on 4th and Walnut, downtown Louisville, Kentucky. Because I think it's, it's, it's in all of us that that realization that that is the case. And the implications, if you and I lived more in that spot, the implication of us all being connected and being, being in the image and likeness of God, I mean, I know since even retreat, I've been trying to live in, a, in a, better, a better spot and the Lord humbled me really low on the retreat. And It was part of that realization of recognizing and connected to her, just humbling me of the fact that I, I don't live that way. And the implications of that, because I don't live that way, it just are vast. And seeing how, how much more time and attention I would give to those that are around me, you all, my family, if I lived in a, in that spot more often, live, be, us becoming, we need to become experts at noticing the humanity that's right in front of us, and that God took on that humanity, and that God is in our brother and sister. That, that's what that's where the saints live. That's where Mother Teresa could go to Calcutta, India and serve the way she did with those that are like that are literally dying on the streets to pick them up and to care for them as they die. And the reporters would go to her and ask her and seek her out and say, why are you going to this extent? And she would give the answer just say, because they're Jesus. That's right. And so it brings us, lastly, to the first move. How, how are we, we need to more and more make that move, our community, to notice our neighbor. And how, do, how, how is it that that happens? How is it that happens? As I've shared before, love, as God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, your strength, your love, your yourself. As one author put it, what is love? Love moves. Love acts. And what helps us to move in that direction of compassion for our neighbor, maybe especially those who are are the most vulnerable? Helps us to bind them up. What helps us to make that move? It's knowing that Jesus made the first move for us. As the church fathers commented on this parable of the Good Samaritan, they said the man that fell among the robbers, who was stripped, who was wounded, who was left half dead on the side of the road, That man is all of us. That man is humanity. We've all, every one of us, have encountered robbers along our way. We all know, and we have all been damaged by sin. And we're all needing someone to come to pick us up. And Jesus makes the first move. As we're we're lying there, on the road, dead in sin he comes to pick us up to carry us and bring us to the inn he does that today because he's done that for us and he does that today for us he's gentle with you and to me as we're dead in our sin he knows how weak our humanity is God became our neighbor he makes the first move to come to get us Rescue us. Jesus is the opposite of self absorption. And so, if we're going to make that move towards our neighbor and to notice our neighbor, it's only to the extent that we are more conformed to Jesus Christ. Because he's the opposite of self absorption, of which our culture is strong with promoting. It's no secret our culture promotes this self absorption, which gets us out of balance. And we suffer because of it. We become sick when it happens. Our neighbor draws us out. So let us notice our neighbor this week. Who is Jesus? Who makes the first move for us?